Hello and welcome to the Decorum Talking Newspaper for the week ending Saturday the 19th of February 2022. This is Chris and your other readers tonight are Eleanor, Jeremy and Pam. The editor this week is Eleanor and we also welcome Catherine who will join us in the second half. We are all members of Team One. Most of our news items are taken from the Hemel Hempstead, Berkhampstead and Tring Gazette and Express newspaper. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442 unless stated otherwise. The headlines this week are Hospital Decision Scrutiny and Time Called on Problem Pub, The Tudor Rose. These and other stories follow. Here is the news. Hospital Decision Scrutiny Hello, I'm Eleanor. Health Secretary Saeed Javid is set to look into the West Hertfordshire Trust's decision to rule out a new hospital on a clear central site. The move comes after a delegation led by Hemel Hempstead MP Sir Mike Penning met with the Health Secretary. They're calling for a new hospital on a clear site, which Sir Mike Penning says will provide good access for everyone cheaper, speedy construction and a greener environment. And Mr Javid is now set to speak to the Trust to ask how it came to its decision to rule out a new site. Meanwhile, the Trust says its decision was driven by the need to deliver new and better building in the shortest time frame possible. It will spend the lion's share of funding rebuilding Watford General Hospital while smaller investments will go towards St Albans and Hemel Hempstead hospitals, which the Trust had previously said will include a mixture of some new build and some refurbishment of current buildings on these two sites. In the Trust's proposals, Hemel Hempstead Hospital will be the site for patients receiving planned medical care and those with long-term conditions. Sir Mike said, I'm very glad that Sajid has shown such an open mind. He listened to some very powerful evidence from experts in building, design and finance, several of them my constituents. We told him how much the Trust has cut corners in forcing through the Watford General decision. He was interested to hear about new designs that might work especially well on a clear new site. There are so many reasons why the whole of West Hearts would profit benefit from a truly new hospital on a clear site to fulfil the government's promise in 2019. For instance, good access for everyone, cheaper, speedy construction and a greener environment. The Trust should stop insisting on patching up the hospital in the middle of the growing Riverwell housing estate, right next door to Watford football ground. The MP added that the delegation would be sending the Health Secretary a dossier of information, which he said details how public spending rules have been bent in making the case for Watford General. Hello, this is Jeremy reading. Continuing on with that story, at the meeting, David Leonard from Leonard Design and Deirdre King presented his Starfish Hospital design to the Secretary of State for Health. The design was a finalist in the 2021 Wolfson Prize for Economics 
and the campaigners say it could be developed as the centrepiece of a new strategically located acute care hospital and health campus. Philip Aylett, coordinator of the local new hospital campaign, NHC, was also at the meeting. He said, the trust refused on very shaky evidence to carry out a proper economic appraisal of any new clear site in 2020. The trust failed to follow public spending rules and the costs and timings of the project are now out of control. And Steve Day from heartsvalleyshospital.co.uk added that he hoped the health secretary would ensure clear sites are properly evaluated and added... Our proposal will retain the three existing sites as community and outpatient facilities with the major acute hospital being in central location as opposed to Watford. Royal Free Property Services undertook an independent site feasibility study of greenfield sites but concluded that greenfield options carry far greater risk and complexity compared to the Watford General Hospital site options evidenced in the projected achievable timelines. Meanwhile, the Trust's plans have received support from politicians, including elected Mayor of Watford, Peter Taylor, and the town's MP, Dean Russell, who previously stated that the Trust's years of hard work and detailed examination of the facts finances and feedback behind their proposal will deliver the best solution for hospital services across its three sites. A spokesman for the Trust said, We're very happy to share our rationale for ruling out a new site in favour of retaining and redeveloping our three hospitals. Our decision was driven by the need to deliver new and better buildings in the shortest time frame possible. Hello, this is Pam. A Hemel Hempstead pub that was a hotspot for chronic antisocial behaviour is now off limits. The Tudor Rose public house on Long Chaldon has been the subject of complaints from nearby residents in recent months, culminating in an evening of severe antisocial behaviour on February the 1st, which spilled over into the next door shopping precinct. But now, police and partners have called time on the pub and secured a full closure order after the landlord was found to be operating without the appropriate authority or staff in place. This means no one can enter the pub except its owner, Stonegate Brewery, and its subcontractors, utility companies in an emergency and the emergency services. Anyone who breaches the order could be arrested and fined, imprisoned or both. Decorum's Community Safety Unit, CSU, worked in partnership with its Safer Safer Neighbourhood team colleagues and Decorum Borough Council's licensing team to gather the evidence needed. The current landlord's tenancy ends on February 25th and police say they have been told the pub will then be closed for around six weeks while refurbishments are carried out and a new landlord appointed. Sergeant Mike Saunders from the CSU said they, Stonegate Brewery, have assured us that the new landlord is someone they know and trust, 
who has a wealth of experience in the management of licensed premises and dealing with any potential issues that might occur. We hope this result will provide some respite from the ongoing issues suffered by neighbours and improve their quality of life. If you have information about antisocial behaviour in your area, please don't hesitate to report it to Decorum's Community Safety Unit. They will take it seriously and will do all they can to prevent it. JPI Media is backing First News in launching Look Up, a campaign to warn schoolchildren about dangers of crossing roads while using phones. Although many people are distracted by mobile phones, children are the most affected. By the age of 12, nearly all children have a phone, and there is a clear link between the use of mobile devices and the time of serious accidents involving children, particularly at the end of school days. COVID-19 lockdown and school closures mean that road safety figures for 2020 were affected that year. But in 2019, 6,200 pedestrians were killed or suffered life-changing injuries on UK roads. More than one in five of these people, 1,415, were aged 17 or under. That's around a whole class of school children every week. Accident data shows those aged, aged 11 to 14 are most likely to be killed or badly hurt, around 50 every month. Different studies over a number of years have shown that phones are a growing cause of distraction for, for pedestrians, affecting if they cross a road safely. Those distracted by phones are known as smombies, which is a combination of smartphones plus zombies. A University of Lincoln study published in 2019 looked at mobile phone use by schoolchildren while crossing the road observing pupils outside a secondary school in the north of England over a four-week period. They were watching to see if pupils looked or failed to look left and right before crossing the road, whether they crossed when the pedestrian light was red or green, and if they crossed on the crossing. Continuing that story, researchers found that nearly a third of road crossings were made by pupils with a phone or other device. They looked less frequently when they had them. They concluded the safety of school-aged pedestrians is affected by mobile phones and music players. Studies in other countries such as Australia, Serbia and the US also found pedestrians who were talking or texting on a mobile phone looked for traffic less often than others. Some countries and some states in the US have made it against the law to cross a road whilst using a phone. Laboratory simulations also have shown child pedestrians walk slower when talking on a mobile phone, paid less attention to traffic, allowed less time to cross before a car coming towards them, and had more traffic hits and misses whilst using a mobile phone. The 2019 official road survey numbers show children aged 11 and 12 were the most at risk of serious accidents while walking on UK streets. The number of children killed or seriously injured more than doubled from 83 10-year-olds to 172 11-year-olds, the age most children begin to travel on their own to and from school 
for the first time. This is also the age when most children have their own phone to stay in touch with family. The first news campaign supported by JPI Media is asking children to design look-up posters that will be sent to all primary and secondary schools nationwide as part of an assembly pack including classroom resources. All schools will be asked to hold assemblies in summer and or autumn terms, warning children of the dangers of mobile phone distraction while navigating roads. The policing element of council tax bills in Hertfordshire is set to rise by 4.69% in the year 2022-23. to 23. The increase, equivalent to an extra £10 a year for a banned D property, was proposed by Police and Crime Commissioner David Lloyd, and it was backed by a meeting of the Hertfordshire Police and Crime Panel by a majority vote. In making the case for the increase, Mr Lloyd pointed to plans to increase the number of frontline police officers in the county, to embed the Prevention First model, and to invest in digital capability. And he said that, even with the increase, it would still remain one of the lowest council tax contributions for policing in the country. According to Mr Lloyd, the Hertfordshire Constabulary is expecting to reach the existing target of 2,267 police officers by the end of March. And in the next financial year, he says he plans to increase the number of police officers by a further 90. The overall cost of running the constabulary next year is reported to be £260 million, of which £102 million would be raised from council tax contributions. In advance of the meeting, the Police and Crime Commissioner had commissioned a consultation which had backed the planned council tax increase with 62% of the 2,446 respondents saying they agreed. However, 29% of respondents, 704 responses, said they disagreed with the Commissioner's approach. Education bosses are planning to amend school admission policies to prevent multiple applications for the same child, where parents cannot agree. When applying for a school place, parents are asked to specify the child's permanent home address. But where parents do not live together, and the child lives part of the week with each parent, that can be disputed. And, say education officials, there have been occasions where parents have made separate applications for the same child, opting for different preferred schools. In response, the County Council has been consulting on proposals to change the county's school admissions policy from 2023 to 24. And the proposed changes were backed by a meeting of the County Council's Education, Libraries and Lifelong Learning Cabinet Panel. As a result, in the revised policy, which will need the backing of the Council's Cabinet before it can go ahead, parents would have to reach a joint decision before the application could be accepted. And if a decision cannot be reached, Strategy and Policy Manager Jane Berry told the Cabinet Panel parents would be directed to the Family Courts. 
Mr Baris told the Cabinet panel, we have in the past had some real issues with toing and froing with parents, particularly those who are in dispute, potentially after a separation. And we've had some clear legal input around the fact that obviously we shouldn't actually get involved in those disputes. And it is very much a decision that would finally sit with family courts. So we have just clarified our definitions about home address and preferences to explain if we get separate applications with different preferences or addresses. We will be going back to those parents and carers to say you need to come to a decision jointly yourselves or go back to court. The council has already consulted on the proposed changes. There were just 26 responses to the consultation, 18 in agreement. Buyers had to fork out tens of thousands of pounds more for homes in decorum last year, according to new figures which also reveal the most expensive neighbourhoods in the area. The impact of the coronavirus pandemic, which prevented house sales during the first lockdown, coupled with stamp duty holidays, has boosted the housing market across the UK since the world opened back up in 2020. Office for National Statistics data shows the median house price hit £425,000 in decorum in the year to June, an increase of £45,000 compared to the previous 12 months. House prices were also above pre-pandemic levels, with the average standing at £375,000 in the year to June 2019. Property consultancy Knight Frank said high levels of requests from phone owners for evaluation of the property indicated more may be choosing to sell this year. Two talented authors from Decorum have been shortlisted for the Waterstones Children's Book Prize 2022. Harry Woodgate is nominated in the Illustrated Books category for Grandad's Camper, and Hannah Gold is nominated in the Books for Younger Readers category for The Last Bear. The Waterstones Children's Book Prize is one of the most prestigious accolades for children's books in the UK. Harry Woodgate's Grandad's Camper was inspired by their university dissertation, which revealed a lack of representation for older LGBT characters in children's books. It is an up uplifting and colourful picture book telling the story of a granddaughter helping her granddad recapture the adventures of his youth. Harry said, I'm absolutely thrilled and more than a little humbled that Grandad's Camper has been shortlisted for the Waterstones Children's Book Prize. It's really such an honour, especially considering the incredible standard of debut titles published over recent years. And it's one of those things that, as a debut author, you sometimes dream about but rarely imagine becoming a reality. With Grandad's Camper, I wanted to create a story that was inclusive, celebratory, and most of all, threaded with hope for the future. So for it to be recognised in this way feels hugely affirming. Hannah Gold grew up in Tring, and worked in the film and magazine industries before taking time out to pursue her dream of writing. 
The Last Bear is both an absorbing animal adventure and subtle commentary on climate change and the plight of endangered species. The story revolves around April, the daughter of an Arctic researcher, and her chance encounter with a lone polar bear, and is beautifully illustrated by Levi Pinfold. Hannah said, To know that my book is now shortlisted for the Waterstones Children's Book Prize is not just a dream come true. It's an opportunity to reach more children than I ever dared to think possible. It's a chance to tell them that even the littlest among us have the power to make the world a better place, not just for humans, but for animals too. The Last Bear really is the book of my heart, and to get this far is both incredibly humbling and very moving. I am, quite simply, over the moon. And if I really were a polar bear, I would roar in happiness. In fact, I might just do it anyway. The shortlists consist of 18 books across three categories. The winners will be announced on Thursday, March the 31st. Olympic gold medalist and former world champion James DeGale opened Manda Gym's new location in Hemel Hempstead. The popular gym has moved from the industrial estate to a new premises in the town centre. And the boxing club hosted an open day which saw amateur boxer J.P. O'Meara join James DeGale at the event. Kingsley Walker, owner of the boxing club, wants Mamba Gym to provide a different sporting option for children and teenagers in the town. The club also works with local charities and schools to help children who are struggling with their behaviour. He said, We had a great turnout for our opening day. We currently run boxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu with mixed martial arts to follow soon. We work with a number of children and teenagers in the local area, plus we assist boxers looking to compete, representing the gym and the town. Mamba Gym has worked and still does work with a number of local charities, whilst engaging with a number of local schools. The work we do with local schools is to offer a different alternative to the traditional sports, but also to assist with students that struggle with their behaviour. We run youth sessions every day of the week, which help 11 to 16-year-olds from Hemel train and keep fit and potentially box for the club. These classes are always fully booked, and with our new facility, we are able to train 30 at a time. Two of our boxers will be competing, hopefully, on Hemel Hempstead's BC Home Show, with the long-term aim to get these lads competing in national competition. Mamba Jim has worked with two local charities that help the community. Hertfordshire Association for the Care and Rehabilitation of Offenders, HACRO, and MIND. MIND is a mental health charity that offers information and advice to people with mental health problems and lobbies government and local authorities on their behalf. HACRO is a charity that helps people who have been on the wrong side of the law to turn their lives around. For more information about Mamba Jim, visit mambajim.com. 
Police have slapped a partial closures order on a Hemel Hempstead home linked to suspected drugs use and antisocial behaviour. The order limits the number of people who are allowed to enter the property for the next three months. Decorum Police's Community Safety Unit took action following numerous complaints from residents about antisocial activity at the property in Jennings Way. The three-month closure order was granted at St Albans Magistrates Court on Tuesday, February the 8th. The CSU team worked closely with officers from the borough's Safer Neighbourhood team and Notting Hill Genesis Housing Association, which owns the property in the Bennett's End area, to gather evidence of the tenant's unacceptable behaviour that was having such a detrimental effect on neighbours. The order, granted under the Antisocial Behaviour Crime and Policing Act 2014, states that for the next three months, the only people allowed to enter the property are the tenant, three named family members and friends, Notting Hill Genesis, utility companies and the emergency services. Anyone who breaches the terms of the order could face arrest and a fine, imprisonment or both. Sergeant Mike Saunders from the Decorum Community Safety Unit said, We hope this result will provide some respite from the ongoing issues suffered by neighbours and improve their quality of life. I want to reassure residents that we are continuing to monitor the situation and are working with partners to create a more permanent solution to the issue. Everyone deserves to feel safe and happy in their home and no one should be subjected to continued antisocial behaviour such as the chronic use of cannabis and other drugs, loud music, people visiting at all hours of the day or night, verbal abuse or intimidation. If you have information about suspected drug activity and antisocial behaviour in your neighbourhood, please don't hesitate to report it to us. We will take it seriously and we will do all we can to prevent it from adversely affecting the lives of decent law-abiding people who live nearby. A memorial to enable the community to commemorate loved ones in life and death has been created at Berkhampstead Rectory Lane Cemetery. The memorial is called A Celebration of Life, is a vibrant wall of glass tiles in the cemetery's garden of remembrance. Individuals can purchase one or more glass tiles to be hung onto the wall with an engraved dedication. Each of the 450 tiles available and the overall design of the memorial is the work of local glass artist Jessica Ecott. The design has been carefully planned so that with each tile that is added, a picture begins to emerge of a flower bed in full bloom. Community engagement officer and ranger Kate Campbell said, the aim is to create a beautiful growing work that keeps the cemetery alive as a space for remembering, remembering for the people of Berkhampstead. Tiles don't have to be dedicated to those who have passed away. They can celebrate a life or, or a life lost. Project manager James Moir said, the memorial is very much an expression of love in all its forms, whether for friends and family, for those who are with us now, or who died recently or long ago. The tiles have been painted in such a way 
that they get shot through with the light and become a very poignant way of connecting with the memories and thoughts of loved ones that can be forgotten in our busy day-to-day lives. The Rectory Lane Cemetery turns 180 years old this year. It was recently the focus of a volunteer-led restoration project to turn the the long-neglected site into a vibrant and contemporary garden of commemoration, with an emphasis on improving the local community's emotional well-being and connection with local heritage and wildlife. To find out more about the Celebration of Life Memorial and how to commission a commemorative tile for your loved one, email team at rectorylanecemetery.org.uk. The fee for the purchase of the tile management of the engraving and hanging process and registering the tile is £78. All proceeds go towards the upkeep of the cemetery. Rectory Lane Cemetery is a free public space open to all every day off the High Street, Berkhamsted, HP42HQ. Hertfordshire Police and Crime Commissioner David Lloyd has given an assurance that 20 mile an hour speed limits are enforced in the same way as higher speed roads. In response to a question at a meeting of the Hertfordshire Police and Crime Panel, Mr Lloyd acknowledged there was sometimes a public sense that the police did not enforce 20 mile per hour zones. But he said the zones were subject to enforcement and prosecution with all enforcement prioritised by threat, harm and risk. And he said they were enforced in exactly the same way. He also said these areas would be subject to appropriate signage, often with additional measures designed to naturally slow motorists. And as part of his response, he also referenced Drive Safe, which he said had been a very successful scheme and that a lot of local volunteers had come forward. Drive Safe, Safe is a neighbourhood speed initiative where community volunteers monitor passing vehicles using speed display equipment. Speeding motorists are then sent an advisory letter, and motorists found to speed frequently could then receive a visit from a police officer. A consultation is being launched to give you the chance to have your say on plans for a new leisure centre in Berkhamsted. The consultation will run until March the 30th. The council says the proposed new leisure centre could deliver a range of new and improved facilities. A range of options are also being put forward for improving nearby Lagley East Meadow, to protect and enhance this popular green space. You can complete the survey online at decorum.gov.uk slash Berkhamsted Leisure Centre or request a paper copy by emailing customer.services at decorum.gov.uk or calling 228-000. There will also be drop-in sessions to find out more at Berkhamsted Leisure Centre on February the 22nd from 9am to 7pm and at the same venue on March the 5th from 9am to 2pm. 
and additionally at Berkhamsted Civic Centre from 9am to 7pm on February 23rd. This Week in History February 15th, 1971, Britain changed to decimal coinage on Decimal Day. On this day last year, the first guests checked into quarantine hotels as tougher rules for international arrivals came into force. February the 16th, 1990, Royal Navy wives marched through Plymouth and Portsmouth to oppose a Ministry of Defence decision to allow wrens to go to sea. February the 17th, 1959, the Queen allowed Marlborough House to be used by the government and as a result it became the home of the Commonwealth Secretariat and the Commonwealth Foundation. On this day last year, Libyans marked the 10th anniversary of their 2011 uprising that led to the overthrow and eventual killing of long-time long time ruler Muammar Gaddafi. February the 18th, 1930, American astronomer Clyde Tombow discovered the planet Pluto from a series of pictures taken the previous month at Lowell Observatory. February the 19th, 1942, the Japanese bombed the Australian city of Darwin. February the 20th, 1947, Lord Louis Mountbatten was appointed the last Viceroy of India, the same day the government announced the British would leave India by June 1948. On this day last year, Princess Eugenie and husband Jack announced the name of their first baby son, August Philip Hawke Brooksbank. Call for updates on police officer welfare. Police chiefs in Hertfordshire are to be asked to provide information on the welfare of their officers. Research has suggested that as many as one in five serving police officers nationwide are suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD. Councillor Sam North, a former police officer, highlighted that research at a meeting of the police and crime panel. And he called for regular updates on police welfare to be made available to the panel, including information on morale, grievance and misconduct, as well as overtime and resilience. The police and crime panel already scrutinises annual reports on custody visiting, the use of stop and search, and the welfare of the police dog unit. And Councillor North expressed concern that there was not a similar report on the welfare of police officers. He suggested that the welfare report would put people in the shoes of police officers so that they understand what they are going through. And he said, if David Lloyd is willing to raise council tax some should go to the police officer welfare and there should be a reporting mechanism to make sure we are holding police forces to account in how they manage and deal with their welfare. Police and Crime Commissioner David Lloyd recognised that the issue of police welfare was important but as the remit of the panel is to hold the commissioner to account and not the chief constable he suggested the request would push at the edges of what the panel is about. 
and he suggested that the constabulary may not be able to issue the report. Alternatively, Mr Lloyd suggested that the issue could be included in his upcoming police and crime plan. Now we come to the information slot. This is followed by the obituaries, what's on, letters to the editor and any more news. Now some information about vacancies in local almshouses. From time to time, one and two bedroom bungalows become available to let for people who currently live in Albury, Longmaston, Marsworth, Pitstone, Puttenham, Tring, Wigington or Willstone. Applicants, one of whom must be aged 55 or over, must not own their own home or have significant savings. Applicants will be asked to supply personal financial information to prove their beneficial status. The average weekly maintenance contribution, equivalent to rent for housing benefit purposes, is £107 for a one-bedroom property and £126 for a two-bedroom property. If you would like to be considered for the accommodation, please telephone Elaine Winter, Secretary to the Trustees, on 827-913, weekday office hours only, for an application form, or email info at tringcharities.co.uk. Almshouses in Berkhamsted. The trustees of the John Sayer Almshouses Charity, charity number 208191, invite applications from individuals who wish to be considered for appointment as a resident to one of the almshouses on Berkhamsted High Street. Each almshouse comprises a living room, bedroom alcove, kitchen and bathroom. The units are unfurnished. There is a communal garden at the rear. The current qualifications are that the accommodation is for single women, in need, Christians with a preference for members of the Church of England, resident in or have connections to the area of Berkhamsted. This is a very small charity and there is no warden living on site or indeed a warden on call. The almshouse residents must be relatively mobile and capable of independent living. For further information and an application pack, please email your interest to lfcjsa at gmail.com or write to Clerk to the Trustees, John Sayer Almshouses, 11 Kingsdale Road, Berkhamsted, HP4 3BS. Free computer clinics for the visually impaired. The Decorum Talking Newspaper organises computer clinics for the sight impaired at the South Hill Centre, Cemetery Hill, Hemel Hempstead, HP1 1JF. If you have issues with your computer or smartphone or tablet, bring it along to us on a Friday, 9 to 10.30 a.m. and we'll do what we can to help. An expert is always on hand. It's an informal group of a few people who are visually impaired. 
Come along and join us, even just for a chat. For further information, contact 217918 or email secretary at dtnhemmel.org.uk. The obituaries in the Gazette this week are Sylvia Bedford, aged 91, Elsie Burgess, aged 105, Roy Allen Lamb, aged 82, Anne-Marie Palmer, Jeff Reynolds, aged 85. May they all rest in peace. Trustee notices this week. Jacqueline Clarkson, deceased. Pursuant to the Trustee Act 1925, any persons having a claim against or an interest in the estate of the above-named, late of St Paul's Care Centre, Long Mims, Hemel Hempstead, HP2, 5XW, who died on the 7th of June 2021, are required to send written particulars thereof to the undersigned on or before the 18th of April 2022, after which date the estate will be distributed, having regard only to the claims and interests of which they have had notice. Please send any details to Blazer Mills Law, Chalfont Court, 5 Hill Avenue, Amersham, Bucks. Paul Bernard Busca, deceased. Any persons having a claim against or an interest in the estate of the above named, late of Beechcroft, 22 Hempstead Lane, Potten End, Berkhamsted, HP4, 2SD, who died on the 4th of September 2021, are required to send written particulars thereof to the undersigned on or before the 18th of April 2022, after which date the estate will be distributed having regard only to the claims and interests of which they have had notice. Please send any information to Debenhams Ottaway, LLP, Ivy House, 107 St Peter's Street, St Albans. Georgina Kate Naomi Hazel, deceased. Any persons having a claim against or an interest in the estate of the above named, late of 12 Austin's Mead, Bovingdon, Hemel Hempstead, Hertfordshire, HP3, 0JX, who died on the 21st of November 2020, are required to send written particulars thereof to the undersigned on or before the 18th of April 2022, after which date the estate will be distributed having regard only to the claims and interests of which they have had notice. Please send any information to Haney Dawkins and Jones, 21 Bridge Street, Pinner, Middlesex. And now, what's on? Whipsonade in action at Whipsonade Zoo until February 27th. Families can get a peek into what it's like to work with the world's biggest and tiniest creatures at the zoo's Whipsonade in action trail. 
children and their grown-ups, will be able to explore some of the most fun jobs in the world, as the UK's largest zoo reveals the secrets of life as a zookeeper, zoo vet, zoo gardener, and member of the zoo's transport team. The zoo, the zoo is home to hundreds of species, from leaping lemurs to adorable otters, with more than 10,000 animals in total. Visit zsl.org for more information. What's on in music? Alid Jones, St Albans Cathedral, February the 28th. Some 40 years have passed since Alid was a choir boy at Bangor Cathedral. He went on to receive countless awards and achieve record-breaking sales and chart successes, performing for the Pope and the Royal Family along the way. His unique concert of music and stories will feature music from his album Blessings, which features songs from a range of faiths. Alid became one of the world's most successful boy sopranos, with the defining moment being Walking in the Air, the hit song from The Snowman. Visit tickettech.co.uk to book. What's on at the theatre? Yukon Ho, Old Town Hall, Hemel Hempstead, February the 25th. Award-winning choreographer, performer and director Jennifer Irons was born and raised in the Yukon, Canada. Cold, dark and lonesome with big animals and lots of liquor where there are more caribou than people and tossing chainsaws is a sport. It's where audiences will be given a taste of in Jennifer's riotous cabaret-style survival guide. Theatre-goers will learn how to quaff questionable cocktails, be bear-aware, and kick their way out of Canada's frozen north with their mucklucks on fire. Tragic, funny, and bizarre, Jennifer says it's all mostly true. Visit oldtownhall.co.uk to book for, uh, or for more information. Letters to the editor this week include A&E needs to be in an accessible location from Ron Glatter of the New Hospital Campaign and We want to hear views from the public, says Helen Brown, Deputy Chief Executive of the West Hertfordshire Hospitals NHS Trust. A&E needs to be in accessible location. Your reader, Jay Bataille, is absolutely right to take the West Hearts Hospitals Trust to task for saying that they don't want to hear from anyone who disagrees with their hospital plans in their next public meeting on letters 9th of February. But there is something even more sinister and shameful. In the newsletter from which your reader quotes, the Trust says, Our decision to retain our three sites was made some time ago. They will know that retaining their three sites is not the most contentious part of their plan. It's piling around 90% of any development money they receive into the crumbling, dysfunctional and inaccessible Watford General Site. And yes, they did make that decision a long time ago, as long ago as 2013 in fact, 
when they signed up to a deal with Watford Borough Council and the property giant Kia, called the Watford Health Campus Partnership, to put the hospital at the centre of the West Watford Regeneration Project. Since then, all of us in West Hearts have been ensnared in this trap to keep the hospital in that totally unsatisfactory location for many decades to come. And if we took a different path, the present sites could still be retained. It's the A&E work that needs to go to a new, clear site in a much more suitable and central location. The Trust have never examined that option fairly, despite having promised publicly to do so. From Ron Glatter, The New Hospital Campaign. We want to hear views from public. Further to last week's letter, Meaning of Public Engagement, we would like readers to know that we will be calling on the community to join the conversation as we move ahead with our hospital redevelopment plans. Over the coming months, we want to hear views from the public about new ways of delivering hospital care, such as video calls, using digital technology to upload your health data, or having telephone conversations instead of in-person appointments. We also want to engage with people on hospital design and the issue of travel and access, where feedback from a previous session is already driving change. Ideas and opinions on these key topics will inform the outline business case that we will submit to the Treasury and the new hospital programme later this year and on which they will make funding decisions. We will continue to work hard to make sure that all the communities we serve have an opportunity to get involved. Your views matter. However, as Mr Batty points out, there is one area where we feel further discussion is redundant, the issue of location. We stand by our considered decision to retain and develop our three hospitals in Hemel Hempstead, St Albans and Watford, instead of spending yet more time and money identifying an alternative site for a new hospital. Our buildings are in urgent need of replacement and or refurbishment, and we owe it to our patients and staff to deliver new and better facilities in the shortest time possible. Our plan, which is backed by our senior clinicians, has very real merit. Our clinical model means that a wide range of local services, including outpatient appointments and urgent care, will be available in Hemel Hempstead, St Albans and Watford. Each of our sites will have a clear purpose, planned medical care at Hemel Hempstead, planned surgical care at St Albans and emergency and specialist care at Watford, where we are planning a major rebuild on land next to our current site. We do want to engage, but we dearly want to use your time and hours to talk about the present and the future, and not to revisit past debates. Currently, we are very keen to hear from people whose recent hospital care has been online or over the phone. From those with an interest in hospital design, and also from anyone who wants to join a follow-up session on travel and access. Readers who are interested in our programme towards new and better buildings can keep themselves updated by emailing us at westhearts.redevelopment at nhs.net to sign up for our monthly newsletter, Blueprint. 
We hope you will share your thoughts on the future shape of our services. This letter from Helen Brown, Deputy Chief Executive, West Hertfordshire Hospitals NHS Trust. Door to Store. You may have heard of the Door to Store scheme run by Community Action Decorum. It provides community transport to take people shopping locally and runs as follows. Hemel every fortnight on a Friday to Morrison's or Sainsbury's. Berkhampstead every fortnight on a Wednesday to Waitrose. Tring every fortnight on a Thursday to Tesco. Bovingdon every fortnight on a Monday to Sainsbury's. Kings Langley every fortnight on a Monday to Sainsbury's. There may be a small charge for the service. To book your seat each week on the minibus, please call 212-888. Future Luton. Homes in the area have received leaflets regarding plans for the future of Luton Airport from Luton Rising, the trading name of London Luton Airport Limited. A consultation period opened on the 8th of February and runs to the 4th of April. In the Decorum area, there will be a consultation event in Tring at the Victoria Hall in Aikman Street, HP 23 6AA, and that's on Wednesday the 16th of March from 2 to 7pm. If you have any questions about the scheme or the consultation, we would like to request, or you would like to request, printed or digital copies of consultation documents, please get in touch with Luton Rising by emailing futureluton at lutonrising.org.uk or leaving a voicemail on 0800 538 52 and now some local sports news. Football. Mark Jones's return to former club Oxford City ended in defeat as Hemel Hempstead Town were beaten 2-0 in the Varnarama National League South last weekend. It was always going to be a tough fixture for the Tudors, facing an Oxford lineup who have performed consistently over the last few years and have a settled side that are very much in the promotion mix. The reverse fixture at Vauxhall Road saw City romp home 4-0, but Hemel have improved since then and they gave a decent account of themselves, but just weren't able to find that final far pass or finish despite long periods of possession. Some more football results. FCB Hemel were big 7-0 winners at Boxmoor in the second round of the Berkhamsted Sunday League's Intermediate Cup. Ash Addison uh, led the way with a hat-trick for the visitors. Scott Bullock scored twice, while Ryan Sewell and Drew McFarlane added the others. Berkhamsted Tornadoes reserves booked their place in the next round with a 3-0 success at Jam United, thanks to goals from Tom Garraway, Callum Lindsay and Puangzi Warakorn. 
The Goat saw off Pot and End 3-1 with Jack Wood, Luke Kelly and Pete Carter doing the damage while Saul Steeden replied. The other tie needed penalties to decide who advanced. The Midland and Hemel Albion drew one all in normal time with Dan Bushell's goal for the hosts cancelled out by Colm Parrott. And it was Albion who held their nerve to win the resulting shootout 4-3. And now golf. Mick and Kirk register the best score. Round seven of the Winter League was played at Little Hay Golf Club last weekend. Those playing on Saturday had the best of the weather, although Sunday almost escaped the heavy rain forecast with only the last few holes having to be played in the rain. Saturday's best score and the best of the weekend was an impressive 48 points from Mick Whelan and Kirk House, while the 46 from Ivan Lawrence and Brian Ridgway was just as impressive. And moving on to basketball. Hemel Storm delivered a comfortable and dominant 101-73 win at Leicester Warriors to maintain their place in the top four of the NBL Division One. Storm can now look forward to a trip to a strong Worthing Thunder on Saturday, 7.30pm tip, before returning back home for a doubleheader weekend against Nottingham Hoods, February 26th, 7pm, and Bradford Dragons, February 27th at 5pm. Tickets for the next home games are available to order in advance at stormbasketball.net. News from the Winter Olympics. Charlotte Banks promised she'll be back for more after exorcising her Beijing demons by finishing 6th in the Bonkers Border Cross Mixed Team event. The Hemel Hempstead star grabbed the chance to get back on the board, having bombed out of the individual competition at the quarter-final stage. Alongside Olympic debutant Hugh Nightingale, Banks put in a powerful performance to finish second in the small final and flirt with a medal. I'm not quite over it, but the team has worked incredibly hard to get me back on it, said Banks. In the mixed team, men take on the course first and the subsequent time adv advantage is transferred to his female teammate who tries to catch up or increase the lead. It was always likely to be the former, given Banks is world number one and Nightingale has just embarked on his first season at senior level, ranked 89th in the world. In their quarterfinal, Nightingale handed over a 1.51 second deficit to Banks, she stormed past all three rival teams and won the runoff quite comfortably by 0.13 seconds. It was a searing run that put the rest of the 15 teams in the wide open field on notice. Hugh did a good run at the start and then I just needed to get into draft and focus on my start and just try to catch up as much time as possible, said Banks. I was just trying to generate as much speed as I could to push as hard as I could to get as close as possible. In the semi-final, the, bank, the gap was just too big for Banks to make up. She actually closed in even further at the second attempt, slicing off nearly two seconds from the 3.34 seconds differential, but only managed third. 
Banks and Nightingale then finished second in the small final for sixth overall, a pleasing return on what was their first event together. It seemed to help Banks put things in perspective somewhat, to see past the grim reality of this Games. She is on course to become the second British snowboarder after Katie Ormerod to pick up a prestigious Crystal Globe awarded to overall World Cup winners. There's a lot more out there than the Olympics, she said. There's some good stuff to finish off the season and then World Championships next year, World Cups. I just want to give it my best and have fun on a snowboard. A reminder for those interested in sports news, on Saturday afternoon, Three Counties Radio broadcast on FM 103.8. Heart Radio are on FM 97.6 and Talk Sport are on Medium Wave 1089. We are coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are... 7.16am and 17.18pm. Don't forget, for those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemel.org.uk. If you wish to listen on Alexa, say, Alexa, open the talking newspaper skill. Follow this with Play Decorum Talking Newspaper. Remember, information on local amenities and services follow after the final music of this recording of the news on the memory stick. For those who are listening to this week's news on memory stick, at DTN we have been having some problems with the yellow pouches. Many disappear on their return journey to us or are delayed in reaching our listeners with the latest recording. We are trying to resolve these issues with Royal Mail and ask for your patience until the service improves. Please remove your memory stick carefully from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Turn the label over and post it back to us at the Adafield Community Centre, the Queen's Square, Hemel Hempstead, HP2 4EW using any Royal Mail postbox. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it is goodbye from all your readers, the editor and Gary, your technician for this week. <laughs>